Business Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the conclusion of tech, business, and politics. Sponsored by Bridge Bank. Be bold. Venture wisely. I'm Dan Mac. On today's show, Uber asks Trump not to forget about gig economy workers and big strains on our broadband. But first, the market's in endless turmoil. Last night, the stock market basically vomited all over itself, with the Dow futures falling 5% just four minutes after the open, causing a stoppage. That was probably because at the time, President Trump was about 20 minutes into his daily coronavirus press conference, but hadn't mentioned anything about a deal on the economic stimulus. This morning, things looked even bleaker, with Democrats and Republicans still unable to reach consensus, although the Fed then did, briefly, calm things down a bit by throwing its version of the kitchen sink, including a first-ever toe dip into the corporate bond market. The upshot here is that the markets, like the rest of America, are in a volatile crisis, but unlike the rest of America, they haven't closed down. There are some who believe stock markets do need to take a breather just so that investors can make decisions once they have a better sense of what the pandemic is doing to our economy and what the federal government plans to do about it. But that doesn't seem likely to happen anytime soon, with the only substantive change so far being that the New York Stock Exchange closed its floor, effective today, joining the rest of white-collar industry in working from home. So should the market stay open? And if so, what kind of activity are we really going to see there? We'll go deeper on those questions in 20 seconds with Tal Cohen of the NASDAQ. But first, this. The Equity Fund Resources Group at BridgeBank is a central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. Offering banking services for funds, partners, and their portfolio companies, BridgeBank's financial solutions are designed for the entire innovation ecosystem and include creative credit solutions, robust treasury and cash management capabilities, and a suite of international banking products. BridgeBank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. We're joined now by Tal Cohen, an executive vice president and head of North American markets at the NASDAQ. So Tal, can we just start with kind of this big picture thing? There's been some discussion, some debate, mostly on Twitter, about whether the markets, the stock markets should remain open or if they should close for a little bit, just because there's been so much volatility. Where do you stand on that? Obviously, you guys have stayed open. What's the argument right now, the best argument for keeping markets open? Our position is, and we're strongly in favor of keeping the markets open. And the reason for that is the markets have been functioning well to date. And while people don't like the direction of the market that it's taking, we empathize with that completely. It's worth noting that the functioning of the market has stood up to the test of time and to the volatility we've seen. So exchanges, the clearinghouse, and brokers have been able to successfully manage these elevated volumes and volatility dates. If we should shut down the market, our concern is that it will lead to greater volatility, add to the fragility of markets, and then eventually hurt investor confidence. And if, if we look just to the Philippines, who announced a market closing a few weeks back for two days, when they opened up, they were 26% down the next day. So we have to remember that investors need access to capital during times of stress, and the markets can be an important source of liquidity. And for issuers, what if we have a biotech company that wants to raise capital for R&D work related to the virus? It's important that we have markets open for those types of issuers as well talk about the markets functioning. Would there be something that you guys are watching, kind of a canary in the coal mine? In other words, something that would change your mind if you saw X? Great question. From a technology perspective, we're comfortable. We've been able to handle these volumes. The thing that I think we're looking at now is being a few weeks into this crisis is 
just the liquidity and capital available in the system to ensure that the plumbing does work as it's supposed to. So if we start to see stress within particular segments of the market or for particular participants in the market, that would concern us and we would want to look out for that. And we would generally first see that on the clearing side of the equation where if a particular participant was to say, we can no longer do business, we just don't have the capital or liquidity to do that, that could send a shock through the system that we would want to assess and understand as we think about the functioning of the markets. NASDAQ works electronically. You guys don't have floor traders like New York Stock Exchange had until today. Outside of the fact that I assume you're working from home, or at least lots and lots of your executives and employees are working from home, can you talk to me a little bit about kind of how you guys have adapted? What have been the biggest changes you've had to get used to over the last week or two operationally? For me personally, I'm starting to miss my commute a little bit now. But for us as a team, what we've had to understand over the last three to four weeks is we've grown our understanding of how to work remotely. And so in middle of February, we instituted our business continuity plan that started with enhanced visitor policies. We restricted travel. In the beginning of March, we went to a split team framework in which working from home was an option. And then more recently, over the last couple of weeks as well, We've implemented social and physical distancing where we have now folks working out of backup locations. So just making sure that the information flow was robust, making sure that we know how to interact with one another as we're in different locations was important because we want to continue to operate the markets. We don't anticipate any concerns. And to be quite frank, it's in our DNA to work remotely because we do have a lot of locations across NASDAQ. So we do know how to do that. We don't know how to take advantage of the technology afforded us to work remotely. But it's just a question of over time, we just have to change some of the processes to adapt so that we can continue to do what we do well. Tal, you made a comment about, you know, what if a biotech company wanted to go to the markets to raise money, either as a secondary offering or possibly as an IPO? Right now, given the volatility we see, do you foresee, at least in the next week or two or maybe three weeks, that you could actually see new issues, equity issues come to market? Over the last couple of weeks, we've seen pockets of activity in biotech and health and SPACs. And we had an IPO just a few weeks ago. Although a few weeks ago was kind of a lifetime ago at this point, right? So you're right. I think the market conditions have changed. And I think potential issuers will probably reassess their timing. I'll just share this with you. From a perspective of looking at S1s, which we use as a proxy to understand the pipeline, it's still pretty robust and compares favorably to 2019. And in the background, we're still engaged with these potential issuers. We still see them doing the work to prepare themselves. So we're hoping that it's just them pushing out their timelines. And if they do, we'll be here to welcome them when they come into the market. Tal, final question for you. A year ago yesterday, Zoom filed for its IPO, actually went public on the NASDAQ in April. When you guys first started talking to Zoom, when Zoom filed its S1 to go public, did you have any sense that a year later it would be arguably the single most important company, not just in American businesses, but in American classrooms? No, I don't think we could have envisioned what's transpired over the last six to nine months. But I will tell you this. Here's the interesting point. I think as we make our way through this crisis, the silver lining could be that we will find new ways to work together that we will think are better than the past. So whether it's Zoom or Microsoft and Teams and those types of collaboration tools, I think what will come out of this is a greater sense of I'm comfortable working with these tools. In fact, they make me more productive. In fact, I like those tools more than I've been working in the past. So that might be the silver lining in all of this, that we change the way in which we work together as a business, as an industry, as we come out of this crisis. Tal Cohen of the NASDAQ, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. 
My final two right after this. The Equity Fund Resource Group at Bridge Bank is a central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. Leveraging nearly two decades of expertise delivering solutions to emerging technology and growth companies, BridgeBank now offers services for funds, SBICs, and general partners including creative credit solutions, robust treasury management capabilities, and a suite of international banking services. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Be bold, venture wisely. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is Uber, whose CEO this morning sent a letter to President Trump asking that America's millions of gig economy workers not get left out of the economic stimulus packages. The issue here is that Uber's drivers and delivery workers aren't technically Uber employees. They're independent contractors. And the same goes for similar workers at Lyft, DoorDash, Postmates, Grubhub, and Amazon Flex. This is a labor battle that's been playing out in the courts, particularly in California. But the situation is now more fraught because some stimulus suggestions explicitly focused on expanding unemployment benefits for quote-unquote employees with no mention of independent contractors. The bottom line, if Uber gets what it wants from Trump and Congress, it could effectively codify a third class of American worker. And finally, there are some growing concerns that America's broadband infrastructure won't be able to handle the strain of so many of us being at home, not just working from home, but also streaming a ton of content via platforms like Netflix and Disney+. It's something that actually began to happen in Europe recently. So as Axios's Ina Fried reports this morning, the FCC has granted additional chunks of airwaves to the major wireless carriers on a temporary basis to help them meet added demand. Something FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr tells Axios he thinks should help keep us from experiencing Europe's troubles. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great national Melba Toast Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.